This is One in 36, a presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. One in 36 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And I'm talking today with author and parent, uh, Danielle Gary. Danielle, good morning. Thanks for being on the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. I have the opportunity um, on this podcast to speak with a lot of different people who are doing a lot of different things in the world, the community of autism, which I always uh, tend to say, I think, is is both large scale because of the number of people who are uh, somewhere on the spectrum or neuro, neurodivergent. Um, but also, I think the more that it, autism is spoken about and shared about and experienced and uh, by so many different people and as we move from this sense of broadening awareness to broadening acceptance. Um, that autistic community, while growing in number seemingly, feels smaller in a way, feels more connected. Um, so I always appreciate talking with parents who choose to uh, share their stories and that of their loved ones, because I think that's part of what makes the connectivity happen. Uh, you wrote a book called Adventures in Camelot. And I'd love for you to just tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and and uh, let's get into why you did that. Well, but that's start a- start everywhere, anywhere you like. <laughs> I was going to say that's a loaded question. Um, I originally started writing about my pregnancy the day that I found out that I was pregnant, and it was really just I've written therapeutically my whole life, um, and it was helping me to process a new adventure. So I started writing in private journals and in blog and um, also across social media about different things that were happening to me. And eventually when our son Cameron was two years old, he experienced a very textbook regression and we called in all of the professionals. One of my best friends is a behavior analyst. So we were able to reach out to her right away. I immediately knew what was happening because I had been talking to her, like it or not, about autism for over a decade. Mm -hmm. So it was um, definitely in my wheelhouse. I was also an educator and um, an advocate for students that receive special education services even before I became pregnant. So um, I started writing. And then when I started disclosing about Cameron's autism diagnosis and the tumultuous journey that it set us on, those blog posts went viral. And people would reach out to me from all over the country, um, friends of friends or relatives of friends, and um, really helping people to feel that this journey is very different, that there is incredible hope and beauty in it as well. And and especially for caregivers, that they're not alone. And that mm-hmm. this, this is truly um, what you make of it through how you support each other and yourself. Um, so I continued to write and eventually um, people kept asking if I would put it all together in a book. And it was that was a very daunting task for me. Um, And finally, I decided this last year that I really wanted to create something that would showcase what a magnificent journey it has been. I wanted to really shine a light on my son. And um, the first time that I I put it together, I had a friend, Shannon, who edited the entire thing for me pro bono. She is an editor. Um, And she she and I just we think we ended up with 38 versions of it because a blog, it reads very differently than a book. Right. So um, we we went back and forth and back and forth. And then when I read the entire thing from 
start to end. It was such, I I guess it was like, it was a a shining a spotlight on myself on the journey I had experienced. When in reality, I thought that I was writing this book primarily about my son's journey. I realized that, that the real journey was me discovering who I am as a, as a woman who is neurodivergent, who I am as an advocate, who I am as a parent and how that growth really was led by embracing neurodiversity affirming practices for my son. Interesting. You're not the first author who's also a parent who has shared a similar sentiment with me. That's certainly not exactly the same, mm-hmm. but but I, there's something that's that's kind of reminding me of a theme that I, I've heard from a lot of guests on this podcast who talk about by nature of going through one project or experience, whether it's maybe research, if you're a, you know, a scientist or, um, or putting something into practice as an educator or writing a book or opening a business, um, you know, maybe with the, with the first thought that it would be an employable or an, uh, an employment opportunity for one's child and their peers. Um, th- that through that process has sort of shift it all around and then you realize that you're sort of looking in a mirror and realizing I'm learning also about myself. Um, so I, that's really fascinating to me that that happened for you. It wasn't what you set out to do. Um, I think the other thing that really stood out for me when I was reading your book, which is just for our listeners, it's a great read. The chapters are short. They're sort of digestible. Um, there's humor, there's real life, there's emotion, there's raw stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of everything that you want when you're, when you're, um, when you're reading and, and trying to take something away from, from what you're reading. Um, but one of the things that I thought was really unique was exactly what you started with, that you started this book and you included the chapters before Cam was born, mm-hmm. um, which I have not really seen before in other things that I've read. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. I thought it was, it was filling in a missing link in so many other stories that I, and experiences that I have read because, um, and that, that, that to me, having, uh, two of my own children just remember, it brought me right back to how vulnerable you become immediately upon finding out that you're pregnant. Um, for most of us, right? That feeling of like the, you're excited, but also now you have a whole new set of things that you never, that you don't know. Um, so, so could you talk a little bit about, um, I don't know, just, just that, maybe that decision of like, you'd already chosen to share so much that so many people don't really talk about. And then that decision, when you saw the regression, you were working with friends and colleagues and bringing in, putting together your team, right. As you referenced, um, that you can, you decided to continue because that had to be a, a really big decision. It really was. And I, uh, you know, even the book is, wholehearted, authentic honesty. What I was very adamant about in self-publishing it was I didn't want to change the truth of the story because that would be a disservice to anyone that was at the beginning of their journey, who had experienced this journey, who who was learning what it's like to have a family where autism is a big part of it. Um, I I didn't want to change the truth of it. So when I started writing the blog entries about autism, I sat on that first entry disclosing that Cam had been diagnosed for exactly a year. Wow. Uh-huh. And I, I 
I waited and I waited and I waited because I was, and, I, and I'm honest in the book too, that there are definitely times throughout the book that there are gaps because I was drowning because there's just so many things that um, were overwhelming to me, things that I didn't understand. I wanted to be doing, you know, the right, the right things and um, really diving into research and trying to make sense of the patterns and then the, the chaos and the, and all of these choices, but also trying to ripple out the education to our family members who didn't understand and trying to allow them to lean on me for support while I was floundering. Right. It was, yeah. it was crazy experience. So when I published that first one, I remember staring probably for several hours at the submit button. And I would, I got up and I made some coffee and I stared at it again. And I went out, we lived in Long Beach, New York at the time. And I walked down the beach and I, (laughs) I was just so nervous. I was like, once it's out there, it is out there. And then we can't change the narrative. And then I, I hung out with Cam for a little bit that day and, and realized that I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't ashamed I was excited to share how far he had already come with the work that we were doing as a family to support him um, and just his triumphs and his journey. I was so excited to share that, but I was afraid of the the, the feedback that I might get and the, yeah. have you tried, or do you think that this caused it or that caused it? And I was really afraid of the judgment mm-hmm. and you know, I think we've come so far since Cameron's diagnosis in terms of um, moving away from awareness and more into acceptance. And even, you know, I'm set to apply for my doctorate in human development this fall, and I'm hoping to focus on neurodiversity and mm-hmm. and creating more equitable and inclusive spaces everywhere. So it's, it's impacted my trajectory of my life hugely. Mm-hmm. But the moment I pushed that button, it changed our journey in such a different way that I, I was able to share things that were not just affirming to other parents, but inspiring and truthful and lessons for other educators because I, I was an educator and I was able to point things out in a way that were like, hey, like this can cause harm or hey, have you tried this because it works for us? And it was the feedback that came back to us. And there was plenty of negative feedback at first. Mm-hmm. Like, People, people wanted to suggest things that we were just not open to. Um, but a majority, and I would say 99% of the information that I received or the people who reached out or the strangers, everyone was just, it was like a tidal wave of me too, or how do I, like, how do I go about this doing the right thing? And, and it was really that um, understanding of whatever is best for your family and feels the best for you. Mm-hmm. Those are the journeys that I wanted to to amplify. So it, it right. just opened up a whole world. Thank you for sharing that. That's um just the idea of you sort of pondering that decision for a year and then and then I can imagine the day staring, you know, you sort of have written it and written it and written it and edited it, and then there's nowhere else to I use the word hide, but I don't mean you were intentionally doing that, but there is. Mm-hmm. There's sort of nowhere else to go other than now I have to decide if I'm gonna put it out there or not. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. Being afraid of judgment, um, being concerned about, you know, what will happen the first time I say, Yeah, no thanks, I'm not interested in that, and what the backlash might be on that, I think is something that probably um, the majority of our listeners who are most likely uh, a number of families um, can relate to. So I really, I think that that this book and, and what you chose to share in it um, and the fact that you right from the forefront disclose, look, I'm not sharing everything. <laughs> um, and don't think that this is just, you know, 
you know, roses and, and rainbows all the time. There were hard times and I'm choosing not to include every one of those. And I think is important because it's honest. And if you were to think about the way you would talk to somebody mm-hmm. um, about your experiences, it's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, typically go through every single detail of every high and every low you're sharing something that um as the author and as as a mom um and an individual yourself i think you you have absolutely every right to choose the way in which you share um we're going to take a short break but when we come back i'm, I'm going to prep you already so you can think about it a little bit i'm just going to ask you to, to share maybe a couple of your either favorite parts of the book as it came out published um or maybe some of the most challenging chapters that you found um when you decided you wanted to write about them maybe give us a little insight there this is one in 36 the weekly talk show on topics really Related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, river. Dude. How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you here? Cool. Who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, oak tree? Sup? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. You'd think he would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel. Has anybody seen Mr. Mr. Squirrel? The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. And now, 1 in 36 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and today I'm speaking with Danielle Gary, who is um, mother to Cam and author of a wonderful book called Adventures in Camelot, um, which really shines a light, as you said before, Danielle, on uh, Cam and his life, but also maybe not your initial intention, but ended up shining quite a light on yourself and your experience um, uh you know, with your, with your family and your friends and your team. I love that you kept on referencing the team, um, as Cam, uh, before he was born, um, and through his first couple of years and then into, um, the diagnosis and then, and then, um, his progression so far. So, um, I warned you ahead of time that I would love to ask you to just share with us, um, you choose, um, either some things, uh, some chapters in the book or favorite parts of of what you've written here um and or some of the chapters or parts of the journey that you share that you found most challenging when uh maybe i guess after deciding that you were going to uh write those pieces mm. <laughs> and i'm looking at all of the chapters and you know we 
I decided to title them adventures because that it really is like everything has been very much an adventure that we've been through. Nothing has been as we expected it. Mm. Um, I think by far the most challenging uh, piece that I wrote was the original blog, The Weight of a Word. And um, it could be that I, you know, I live near the ocean um, for a whole year. And I felt through that first time that someone says your child has autism, Mm -hmm. there is such a wave that comes over you. Like for me, it was relief because we had known that there was something very different about our son. Um, He has tremendous strengths, but there were things that we could see were obstacles for him. And we were looking for the tools to help him remove those obstacles. And I struggled with carrying that word. I struggled with saying the word. I struggled with um, this grief that was kind of thrust on me by everyone outside of myself because I felt pretty centered and I plowed through diagnosticians to get this child what he needed. But there was so much grief because this, and and I think we, we don't emphasize the grief enough when that initial diagnosis occurs, um, which is okay. It it is, I mean, it was certainly not grief anymore. We celebrate all aspects of our son, but when your child is not the child that everyone imagined they were, and you have to break that news to people, the grief kind of comes at you in waves, even if it's not your own. Um, And it, you know, I felt a specific amount of grief in that I felt a lack of control. And that for me, as a neurodivergent individual, was very, very difficult for me to to lose that control. And then I had to rely on the expertise of others. Mm -hmm. Writing the weight of a word, I think I sat on it for a year because I wanted to get it right. I wanted to make sure that the terminology that I was using was correct and that, um, that nothing I ever put out would come back to Cameron ever to make him feel like a burden because that was, that was highly important for me. And, and a lot of the things that I left out in the book are not my stories to tell. Those are Cameron's struggles and Mm -hmm. he knows about them and we talk about them and he has this uncanny perception of time on a linear scale. So he, as he has, he has read the book and I love hearing him read it and he'll say, (laughs) He'll, he'll come to me and ask specific questions like, why did I have a blood curdling scream? Did my blood curdle? <laughs> and it's yeah. you know, so literal. So we go through it and we talk about things. And, and whenever I post anything on social media, he always gives consent. So a big part of the story in the beginning was he was too young for that. So I wanted to honor who he was as a human. I didn't want people to think that we were... Um, disappointed with the child that we had because he's magnificent. And I, I wanted that vibe to carry through the entire book. Mm-hmm. He is, and he has been such a tremendous gift and he's has such incredible strengths and adds so much value to our lives. So that entry, I wanted to get it right because it was going to be the, that was the big move, move of our lives was to, to shift our trajectory of our family to, mm-hmm. to really help Cameron to become as successful as he could be. Literally. I mean, you, yes. you, you picked up and moved. Yes. Um, you, you, so physically, literally, but also it sounds like 
emotionally there was a shift. Um, there was an educational aspect of, of probably, I'm sure, having to answer to and explain to as many people who asked you why yes. you were doing that. Um, yes. And I, and I, when I was reading that that part, I was struck by I think a lot of sort of general human nature, um, and what a lot of people might just assume is that is that receiving a diagnosis while I've heard many times from parents who sort of can combine that sense of relief because now you know that you can get access to certain services and supports um, as opposed to this sort of unknown thing where you as a parent know something's going on Um, and, and definitely mourning. It's interesting that you talked about sort of the grief piece and I've heard from other families, you know, mourning the child, not because you you were unhappy or disappointed with the child you have, but mourning the child against the way you started your book by talking about what it was like being pregnant with Cam before you knew any of this, mourning the child that you imagined in your head. Um, and you're, you know, it's it's a I'm you know with with all respect, I'm probably getting the words wrong, but I just I find that all very interesting and and must be incredibly challenging um, to go through, but. What I'm getting at is I would think that you may have heard from some people, you know, when when you're dealing with something like this, when you're when you're trying to figure this out, don't you just want to be sort of home and and where your comfort zone is and all the people that, you know, and your your connections that you already have established and uh-huh. and the people who've known Cam since he was, you know, the day he was born. Uh-huh. And here you are saying, actually, no, we're not going to do that. So did, did, was that, did that come into play? Was there, did you have to, on top of everything else, be handling those conversations? It was, you know, there's, um, I think to touch on, to touch on the grief and to connect it to how we moved forward was having, I was a middle school educator Mm -hmm. and I knew specifically how difficult, I think my grief was more centered around the fact that, um, autism was largely misunderstood Mm -hmm. and I was grieving. How am I going to raise a strong self advocate who can stand up for himself in the world that I see, or how am I going to sustain being a strong advocate for him until he cannot? So, there's a lot of jokes going around about, you know, the parent of a child who is autistic or an autistic individual themselves, no one conducts research like we do. So I instantly dove into where are the best special education supports, where are, you know, what, what do, what do we need to do to help him to become the best possible version of himself without changing in essence who he is. And um, we have been very, very clear in our pursuits and in our hiring of our team. These are our expectations. Can you, can you follow these expectations? Because if not, we are okay moving on to the next person. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, that always changes because what Cam needs now may not be what he needs in five years from now. So currently we are, you know, in the upstate New York area near Rochester, New York, our son Mm -hmm. is in Pittsburgh Central School District. And we are composing a team of champions that, you know, really are rallying around him and, um, celebrating him for who he is, um, really working together with, you know, our special education director for the district. Um, and I'm the chair of our special education PTA in my off time. I'm also an education specialist at the university of Rochester. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so deeply entrenched in education that I'm trying to really plant these seeds of, you know, the neurodiversity affirming practices and how that needs to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that is my flag. I wave it everywhere. Uh, 
everyone. Well, and up in Rochester, I, I mean, University of Rochester has a very excellent reputation for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, research and, and mm-hmm. programs. And um, and so I get why you're there. Yes. Um, and I, I hope that you're you've met uh, and are and are working with like minded individuals, because I know that that uh, program specifically is very well known in the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's just it's a testament. To, look, I've like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I I've met with and, and interviewed a lot of fit parents who uh, are doing so many creative, innovative things, either based on um, an experience they've had in their community, or more often than not, it's something that started as a, an idea to fill a gap for their mm-hmm. own child, mm-hmm. um, whether it's an employment opportunity or or a recreational opportunity. Um, or educational, like any number of things that have started with this thought of, okay, so what can I do? Here's me, here's my passions, here's my skills, here's sort of how my brain works and and how I can think and what am I going to dive into that can help my child. And thankfully, more often than not, the outcome ends up being impactful for a much larger group of people, Mm -hmm. um, including other parents who I'm sure would just benefit from kind of the pleasure and maybe decompression of reading your book adventures in camelot because there's so much to connect to but also um just a reminder that that um i think you said this in the beginning and it's a, it's a great sentiment to repeat that really whatever's what's going to work for each individual family is whatever's going to work for each individual family um so i love when i see more and more books coming out or just people starting podcasts or blogs or vlogs or whatever it is that they're doing because that means that hopefully um there will be something for everyone um, the menu of options when it comes to what you do after you you receive that diagnosis is growing and it should grow because every person is an individual and every family has their own dynamics that that they need to work with. I think what flipped the journey for us was having the availability and the connection to so many autistic adults that were mm-hmm. speaking out um, about how to you know, how to support your child, what they wish their parents had done or what they wish their schools had done. That has been life-changing for me to really connect to people that have um, a diagnosis of ADHD or autism or really telling their stories. And and it's wonderful that adults with autism and other neurodiversities are speaking out more and sharing their own stories. I agree with you. I think that that, that's a a really wonderful um, group of people to connect with that often, probably in the past from what I've heard and understood have felt either that their voices weren't appreciated or didn't matter or didn't have a forum by which to 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 share so um we have to stop i'm sorry but (laughs) i told you the time went fast we're done with our time but i just want to encourage our listeners to um to read adventures in camelot it's by danielle gary it's a great book um very positive and but uh, and and honest and and not glossed over but just a, a really um, I think a book that's that's important for for people to read if you have the ability and the time. So, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing about your journey, Cam's journey, and your book. And best of luck to you in the future. Thank you so much, Eliza. This is one of thirty six, the weekly talk show on talk, topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to One in Thirty Six, a weekly presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. Join them for another edition of the show at this time next weekend. 